This episode of Landmine Radio is sponsored by Guido's Pizza. Located on International Airport Road in Anchorage, Guido's has been serving the best pizza, pasta, sandwiches, and more since 1984. Guido's is open daily for dine-in service from 11 a.m. to midnight, and they do takeout and delivery until 2 a.m. Whether I'm dining in at Guido's or ordering for delivery, the hardest part for me is always choosing what to get because they have so many amazing items on their menu. If you're looking for a quick bite or want to order food for a big party, Guido's is the place to go. Tell them Jeff from the Landmine sent you. Okay, back here in studio with, uh, again, Lieutenant Governor Nancy Dahlstrom. How are you doing? Hey, Jeff. I'm doing great. Glad to be here. I'm glad you, we had you on here a while back, just after you kind of after you won, but now you've been there for a little bit. And yes. Doing the job. Yes. I, I, now, I didn't ask you this last time. I did some research, and this is fascinating for the people who maybe don't know the history that well or don't follow it. You ran against Lisa Murkowski when she was in the legislature. I did in 2002. So this is before she was appointed to the Senate. And I mean, yep. it was close. It was like, I looked it up, it was like a few votes. Well, what happened was on election night, I lost by 21 votes. And then by the time they did uh, all the absentee count, which was two weeks later, it was 56 votes total. But I mean, a really tiny in a house district. I mean, there's thousands of, you know, multiple mm-hmm. thousands of votes. So it, just think about how things would have maybe been different if you had won that. I mean, because look at her now. We're her tra- trajectory and your trajectory. I mean, just really interesting how one little event in time can, you know, determine the course of people's lives. It's true. And I think it also shows how everybody's vote matters. Everybody's vote counts. And anybody that says, oh, I'm not going to go because it doesn't make a difference. They're wrong. Especially in Alaska. You know? Yes. I mean, because you have, I think that, you know, in big states where, I mean, state Senate districts in California have more people than our state. Uh, well, in Texas and mm-hmm. all these other places, you know, it's crazy because I served with Bryce Edgman for a while and, and Bryce has been in the legislature for 20 years, but he won his first house seat by tying with uh, former representative Carl Moses. Co- co- coin flip, right? And th- after recounting three times, they ended up doing a coin flip and Bryce had been Carl's legislative aide for years. So so there's uh, the statute. I always wondered about that. And it says... Uh, game of lot or game of chance. So I was like, do they have coin flip in that? And it's, you can, so when, when Laban and Catherine Dodds were in 20, I guess 18, remember he won by one vote. Yes. I was, I was advocating because they were tied up until the, I was advocating for like a live Carlson Center rolling, di- like rolling big dice, you know, like have, <laughs> have like, you know, like a Vince McMahon type situation with an announcement announcer. Like make it into a big, a big you spectacle. know, big fundraiser lottery or Absolutely. something, you know. Make it fun. Well, a game of game of chance. You know, they they chose to do a, a coin flip in the in Bryce's situation. I mean, I think they could have probably drawn a name out of a hat. There's several things they could have done, but that's what they chose. But there again, every vote counts. Mm-hmm. No, we've seen you know this last. Great election. Um, Tom McKay, I think seven votes. Um, His was seven. And Denny Wells, um, very close. There's somebody else that was by four. I can't remember who that was. There was a few really, yeah, there's been, you know, recent years, there's been several of these very close ones. See, I've run a couple times, and, and every time I've lost by, you know, I got kind of pretty close in 2012, I think 45%, but I'd, I'd rather lose by a lot than a little bit because you, you just, like, second-guess yourself. If you would have knocked on 20 more doors or... Made 50 more phone calls. Well, I, you know what? I think you hit the nail on the head, though. No matter 
win or lose, if you can go to bed on election night knowing that you gave it your all, mm-hmm. yeah. you did everything, you knocked on every door you could and yeah. you made every phone call, then win or lose, you can feel you feel good about it, right? I mean, and I, I know that when you were running, you did that. I know you were out beating the streets oh, and yeah, doing as things. Much as I could. And, you know, I and and when we lose, we just wish the best for the person because everybody is working for the good of our state and you know. Well, maybe not everybody. <laughs> well, they, that's the theory, right? I can say that. You probably. I'm confident that you would have been working for the best of our state. I, no, I would have been. I'm saying I'm not convinced some people are working for, maybe for them, their own interests or their own well. agendas. I can say that. You probably can't <laughs> can't say that. So so what's interesting, though, is so so you barely, she beat you by a few votes, a couple dozen votes, uh, and then she gets appointed to the U.S. Senate by her, by her father when he, when he um, became governor, and then they appointed you. Yes. Frank appointed Lisa to the U.S. Senate, and then he appointed you. Now, I've, I've heard some different sto- Do you know the background there? I've heard some different kind of theories about what happened. But- I've heard some different theories, too. But what I know for a fact is that my phone rang one day, and it was Governor Murkowski. And he said, do you have time to talk? And I said, well, yes. And he said, I'm looking at filling the seat that's open. Are you interested? And I said, Yes. And he asked me if I could be at the office at a certain time and said we'd make the announcement. Were you expecting the call? No. Have you? Did you know him? I mean, you must have dealt with him. He was a senator I, for a I long time. I met him. He was our senator, you know, for, for quite a few years. Have you ever, did he ever call you before? No. Wow. No, I'd never shaken his hand. I'd never had a phone meeting or anything with so him. So had the, had the party done anything? Because normally the party sends some names, a few names. The party had been involved. We'd gone through our, you know, district meeting and several names had been forwarded. And I was one of those people that went to the district meeting and expressed interest. So, you know, in that sense, it wasn't a total surprise because I was on the list of names that went to him. But but there was also, you know, other people that... You remember who else? Anybody that's still around or was it... <sighs> I'd, I'd have to go back and think about that. This is about 20, over 20 years ago. It was a long time. So So that was... Um, a couple years after that, so that was the election was two thousand two. So then I served in the two thousand three, started serving in two thousand three, and so it was that that that, that actual next session. Oh yeah, yes. because she was appointed. He won in two thousand two, right? So he, she was appointed right away. Correct. Which which I think uh, I, I love Lisa. I think she's great. But that that whole thing even now, I'm kind of like that's. They didn't they change the stat? They've changed the statutes on that, right? I believe so. Yeah, because people got pretty. You know, I, I know several people interviewed for it, and I think it was Andrew Helcrow actually told me he was one of the ones who applied. Well, for it. I think the list was like twenty-four people, and I remember reading the list, and they were and thinking, "Boy, there's some really fantastic people on here." So, you know, I have no idea what was going on. I don't know if this was a pre-decided thing. I have I have no idea. I, I just saw this Chris Christie interview from a while back, and he was talking about. They said the whole thing with uh, Menendez and this gold bars and his like. Jacket was crazy, you know, this like horrible. But they asked him if, you know, are you going to run for the Senate seat? And he goes, no, wait, this is a meet the press a few weeks ago. And he's like, no, I'm not running for the Come on, like, tell, tell us. Your, he goes, I was governor, and I guess I forget who it was. Somebody stepped down. He's like, I could have appointed myself. <laughs> I didn't do that. Okay. I don't want to be in the U.S. Senate. <laughs> but he wants to be president. He does want to be president. Yeah. You know, I was uh, just watching Bill Maher on, I love every week I watch him. And uh-huh. they had a really good, they had a Paul Begala and uh, Stephen. I'm blinking his last name from the New York Times, but they were talking about all these different political, you know, what's going on. And, and Bill Maher pointed out something fascinating, that there's a group of people right now in the country that are very popular, a political group. And I was like, what's he, who's he talking about? And it's Republican governors in blue states. 
Oh. Like Paul Hogan and um, Maryland, and then what's his name? Chris Anunu in New Hampshire. And there's like three other names mm-hmm. I've never even heard of. And Bill Maher said the same thing. And he's like, that's probably a good thing because they aren't doing like, you know, dumb stuff. But also a few Democratic governors, like um, the guy in, Lan- uh, what's the guy's name? Bashir in, in Kentucky. So, oh. so Democrat. So there's a group of, and they're like all in the really high 60s, 70s. And it's these people that are kind of, you know, I guess more maybe normal or moderate. Right. And, they're, and they're really, really popular, which kind of I thought about that a lot. And it's interesting, you know, how, how that how that's kind of going. Well, it's interesting. I mean, you know, our governor is pretty popular. Uh, everybody knows who he is. Everywhere I go, people people know. I mean, even if they know him just because he's 6'8", or they know him because he's been very vocal speaking out against uh, President Biden on all these, you know, Things he keeps throwing and at he, us. He, he won, you know, outright on the rank that didn't have the rank ranking. Um, we did. We didn't have to go through that at all, which was so awesome. So, so you were appointed, um, and then you were in there for quite. You were there for how long were you in the legislature? So I, I was there for uh, nine years, and then I actually resigned, and then I went to work for Governor Parnell for a little while. Um, I ran the Anchorage off his Anchorage office. Um, I worked with him as a senior military advisor on some things. Um, I also spent some time working in Department of Labor. I spent some time working in Department of Commerce. I kind of got to know a lot of the different departments, you know, down doing the actual work. Um, was it, um, I mean, you were in the legislature, so you knew about a lot of this stuff, but was it, I assume, a lot different working on the executive side? Well, it is. It, you know, working on the legislative side and then and then the executive side as far as if you're actually, like as a commissioner, that's totally different too than the people that are, I'm going to say, actually doing the work, you know, in the trenches, making things happen, you know. Um, so I've had lots of different experiences, executive, executive uh, side. I had 20 years of work before I did any of this in, you know, private industry too, and that's been really helpful because government and private industry runs totally different. Mm-hmm. So I, it's all been it's all been really great, and I think that it has helped me to do a good job where I'm at today. It's always the people I hear a lot of times. People say like, "We got to run government like a business," and whenever they say that, I'm I'm like, they probably have never run a business. <laughs> you, know, you hear people say that sometimes. They're very like they're. Very, I mean, you want to be efficient, but they're very We want to be things. efficient, and we want to be really careful with the money because mm-hmm. it's it's all of our money that we're spending, you know? And, and you know, they'll say things like you just said. You hear all these little cliche things, you know, pretend like this is your checkbook. And <laughs> remember, remember Governor Palin had a checkbook online and everything? Which, you know, they got rid of a while ago, a couple, but now it's back. And I love the checkbook because for our political report, we go through right. that. And you can, you can find such interesting things. I mean, we look at the governor's office and the legislative expenditures and you find, you know, there's only a few, but once in a while you find some things you're like, wow, that's really like interesting. They did that, you know, kind of out there. It's really, I like the transparency because it went away for a while. And I think Chewbacca took it offline when she was with administration. And then there was a bill. It was so funny. Bill Willikowski had a bill and it was so nuts. The fiscal note, they had like some crazy fiscal note, like a million dollars or something. (laughs) It was like insane. And then, uh, Nate Graham was, he's not there anymore. He used to be a staffer. He was up there and Bill's like, Nate just built one, you know, like last week. I remember that. So I don't know where the million, do- it was like nuts. Cause they, cause the, the, the public probably doesn't know that when a bill gets introduced, the fiscal notes are done by the executive branch. 
So sometimes if they don't want something, they can put a huge fiscal note to make it look like, you know, it's way too expensive. And there's pushback on those fiscal notes sometimes. Yeah. Or, or, or if they really want something, they'll say it's zero fiscal or it's very cheap. Well, the, I've seen both things happen, but but what I see the majority of the time is uh, commissioners, when they have bills in their area that are going, that they're promoting, they want it to be as accurate as possible mm -hmm. because you don't want to come back with budget surprises. You don't want to have too much money left over that you could have spent wisely. Well, you want to look, you want to look competent. You know, well, you exactly. Like you're exactly. Some crazy plus, fiscal million dollar fiscal plus, for a you know, there's that integrity thing, it's, mm -hmm. right? So. The that, little, that little thing, right? We it's we, and it's a huge thing, yeah, gotta, but really, we, we, we if there's one that. one cent involved, there should be a fiscal note. So, so you we talked about this last time, but you know, you had been tapped to be you were you were uh, corrections commissioner mm -hmm. for four years, which was really we, we talked about that last time. But that COVID, I mean, of all the impacts, corrections maybe had the biggest COVID had the biggest impact because you have all these people that, that are close together in jail and prison and. You have to deal with that. You know, that must have been really just. You know what? It was tough and it was challenging. But I got to tell you, at the end of the day, I am still so proud of all those DOC employees. Our state came out much farther ahead than any of the other states. I mean, if you compare us to a state like Montana that has a population base, same as about ours, we had seven COVID deaths. They had hundreds. Mm -hmm. California had hundreds and hundreds of deaths. Now, we learned, we, we constantly were working with what the CDC was saying. We were constantly revising the, you know, we had a book that we had to follow with all the health requirements. Um, our director of the health was updating that. I think she updated it 58 times during that whole COVID period. And every time it meant a new retraining for staff. And yeah, like I said, I mean, as far as the impact on people affected by the department, I mean, I, I would say probably the corrections department, it had the biggest impact because yep. basically you're dealing with all these people that are, you know, very close together yep. and they can't go anywhere, most of them. So, um, uh, it obviously, had an effect to everybody. But, I mean, but. it had a huge effect, but we had it set up so that people were stayed in their pods. They were eating in their pods. They were doing their educational things in their pods. Of course, it did limit a lot of things, you know, recreational things and stuff like that. But that's what we needed to do to keep people alive. And then when the court shut down, we didn't need to transport people back and forth. But when they did open up, when people came back, we actually had to keep folks somewhat isolated mm -hmm. to make sure they were, you know, healthy so they Did, didn't. Didn't you say that some you were approached by some, like, prison love TV show or something? Or Well, in, during my time as commissioner, there were several times that we got approached by groups that say, hey, we're interested and in, we're producers and we're interested in coming up and doing a show on how, how I found love in prison. Or, oh, you should have done it. You know, my job, my job was to keep the inmates safe and the officers safe. And all I could think about was all the chaos that would ensue. And so well, I had to say That would have been such no. a good show. I, I was, we're talking earlier, Kelly's here, but she used to be at DPS. And yes. um, I, I did the a podcast a couple of years ago with Commissioner Cockrell. And I just should have done more research, but I, I said like, you know, what idiot canceled the Alaska State Troopers? That was the best show of all the shows. I go, who, who canceled that? And he's like, I did. 
Uh, and I go, oh my God, oh uh, shit, Jesus. But he was saying that it became kind of a distraction for the cameras. But I mean, that was, and, and I don't know what's going on, but we, for a political report, we look at all the calendars. And he did have a meeting with like TV people recently. So if that, wow. if you could, you put your weight in on that, people love that show. Well, I will tell you that I always watch that show too. That and was a great I show. I even now watch reruns that are like five years old so and as far as like reality i mean i think that was a really good depiction of what was really i don't there wasn't really i mean there wasn't really even a need to embellish it because there was there's so much crazy stuff happening up here well there's so much stuff that if you're involved with public safety it's like you know the stuff that you just can't make up the best episode is the, the my favorite one is i don't know if you saw the guy in sewer there was a big you know sewer gets crazy for the fourth of july and he was running around naked and they, they you know took him down and he was just like what it's fourth of july <laughs> you know what i did see that <laughs> So I, I um, pr the prison love one that would have been really, that would have been good. It it would have been. We probably would have had a lot of watchers, a lot of dicey. Good, good, good uh, recruitment tool maybe for. But the you know, also officers. during that time, we still had COVID issues going on, and so sometimes you just have to make a dis Some decisions are tough. Well, if that ever comes back, and they, you know that comes up, and they need somebody on the ground, I'm your guy. You're the just guy. Okay. Send them over to me. We have video. We have the whole. I'll remember. We we can help. Okay. So uh, I want to talk about your lieutenant governor and you oversee elections. Yes. And I want to ask you, there's several ballot initiatives, and I'm not going to ask how you feel about them, but, but they are kind of up there um, that are going to maybe be on the ballot next time. Yes. And I talked to Scott Kendall was on a few months ago. We talked about some of these. And one of them I think is interesting. I, I, there's already been an attorney general opinion, but there's one about term limits. Right. Which I think the Constitution is pretty clear about that. It so actually I denied that at the advice of Department mm -hmm. of Law. And um, so, this, so this would have to be a constitutional amendment. Yes. To, to, because the Constitution doesn't say anything about term limits. Yes. So, an initiative wouldn't be able to, yes. to do that. So, somebody will have to choose to take on that battle in the legislature. There's another one um, an act preventing the expenditure of public funds for any process by which political parties select their nominees or endorse candidates. This is basically like funding the primary, right? Right. Basically saying, don't use state money for that. There's one, an act restoring campaign contribution limits. Closer than like there. For state and local office. Which I think is going to, I think that's going to go, it's going to be on the ballot. And I would imagine um, that's probably, I don't even know if they'd have to spend much money on that. I, I would be really surprised if it, the signatures like the I kind of like this Wild West thing. I mean, I, I mean <laughs> it's transparent and, you know, people don't have to give to the PACs. I mean, I understand the reason why there's right. arguments for limits, but... Um, it's we've gone through a cycle with it, and I mean, you you can very transparently see who's given the money. Right. Otherwise, they can go to the PACs. It's it's unlimited still, and and the candidate doesn't have as much any any control over with the PACs. Right, do. that's true. There's also one to increase Alaska's minimum wage, and I'm pretty sure that's mm -hmm. going to get the signatures. And then, of course, there's the one we've probably heard the most about: an act to get rid of the open primary system and rank choice. Yeah, that'll be if that if that goes, that'll be the big ballot initiative that'll be a big draw for a lot of people to vote yay or nay mm -hmm. on it um you know i haven't seen any signature i mean i i don't i stay neutral on these things and so once a signature book and they're all turned in we verify that all the pages are filled out and then we send them to a department of law they do their stuff and say yes everything's correct and then they come back to me and then then I'll verify it, and then they go from there. But no, no, they they haven't turned in their signatures yet, right? No. And they have until we talked about this, but I thought it was before session. But you're saying it's like February, sometime in February. So February seventh. Okay, and then and then if those get turned in by then, 
and assuming they have enough, then it will be on the November, uh, I think November ballot, The right? November the, ballot. The, the now, question. February 7th is the deadline. They could turn them in tomorrow if mm-hmm. they have the signatures. Now, it, some, in the past, there, there had been times where the initiatives were on the primary. And I don't know if that's a timing thing, but, but it seems m- more, more often they're on the general ballot. Is These that... will be on the general. Okay. So, you know, compared to last year, we had 59 legislative races because of redistricting. So this year we're only going to have 50. Right. 40 House, 10 Senate. And only one statewide race, the, the Mary Paltola. Right. We'll have um, 50. We'll have the, the 50 in the House and Senate. We'll have the congressional and then we'll have the president. Mm-hmm. But, but no governor, no Senate. So Correct. last year was like, for me, it was actually pretty good because uh, we sell advertising right. on the website. So uh, I think you're going to probably still sell a bunch of advertising. But the ballot initiatives, uh, like when, when in 2020 when they did the ballot measure too, that was a big, they spent a lot of money. There wasn't, there was a bit of an opposition, but it kind of started real late and it didn't, they didn't do a ton. But it was still pretty close. I mean, it was 51, 49 or something really, like, really close. It was very, t- very close. And I've seen some polling. I think the state chamber did a poll few months back, and I've seen some other polls. Basically, it's kind of neck and, I mean, as far as approval, disapproval, it's very close. So if this gets on the ballot, which we'll see if it does, I mean, this group's been kind of odd. And if, if they get the signatures, this will be a big, I think probably a big, big fight. Now, sometimes um, if an initiative is going, the legislature tends to do some act. Like uh, Gre- Jason Gren had that lobbying thing, right. and, you know, food, or and it was going to be on the, but then if the legislature does something, I guess, similar enough, it invalidates the initiative, right? Well, they and the legislature could choose to do something. So they, they didn't last year. So I, we'll just see. I don't think they'll do anything with the, the rank choice, but I think they might do something with the campaign limits. Because two years ago, they got real close to... I recall I was, I was that. there. I was, it was like midnight. They were like 1115. They had the House bill in the Senate. They were literally like writing. It's yeah. so crazy at the end. I mean, they're like, they're on the floor writing amendments. I know. Don't you love that though? They, actually oh, being it's, in the room. I mean, I mean, they, they, they had some other bill. It was like a pension or some fire bill. And it was it like, was the it was the purge terrors, right? It, it was, it was some, something with like fire and pen, but they passed the bill and then it got back, but they made it some small change. So they, they like ran to the Butrovich. They had a conference committee. Wasn't on TV. Yep. But it wasn't, I mean, it was noticed on the wall. Like they were like, blah, 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 conference committee, you know, they called the conference committee to order, like, okay, vote, vote, boom, it was done in like two minutes. Yep. They take the bills, they run the bills back to each floor for the up or down vote. I mean, it was like wild. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that being there that night and watching that stuff in person is just incredible. And once that gets into your system. Oh, yeah, it's like, it's, it's like the, the. You get addicted to it, right? The, the, the energy and the, the vibe. And I mean, you can just feel people and every movement. I know. And, and you watch people's eye movement mm-hmm. and little, th- yeah. So, so, so you you were there. You got out in what two thousand two thousand nine. So, so you kind of were there right at the tail end of the craziness with the oil price. Of oil shot up, and because before the money was twenty years ago, there was this fiscal policy caucus. Andrew Halcro gave me a yeah. copy of of it, and I still have it. Yep. And it's like if you took out the dates, it's the exact same thing right now. It's like permanent fund. Taxes spend. I mean, it's the exact same. And and back then, even there was some some concern about being enough money in the earnings reserve for a dividend. Right. But then the price of oil shot up, and then spending obviously like so. My very first year, the price of oil was ten dollars a barrel. Oh wow! I mean, talk about a mess. It was. I I can remember uh, being in caucus and Governor Murkowski talking with us about all the things that we were going to need to do. 
cutting state government, all these different changes. And then lo and behold, all of a sudden the next week it was like $11 a barrel and then it was $12 a barrel and then it just kept going. It's just crazy how the history repeats itself. And it happened in like the 80s and then, you know, the, the, excellent, the price went up and then it happened in, you know, 20 years ago. And then right now we had the, you know, it was really in the 60s, 70s. And then the Ukraine thing in Russia happened, this invasion it goes up and then it went down, but now it's back up. Right in the '90s, it was up, up almost 100 a few weeks right. ago, and it's it's been up in the '90s for a while. So we just we always say we're going to fix it, but then boom, the price of oil goes up, and here we are. Yeah, it's I, I would love to get a fix. I would love to get a fix so that you know some states do the bicameral budget every mm-hmm. other year, mm-hmm. and. That that would be great, but I, I don't I don't know if we'll ever reach that point in this state. But well, I was talking to Tyson Gallagher, governor's mm-hmm. chief of staff, and um, he worked in OMB and different departments for a long time. And we were talking about how and I, I ran in 2012, and I mean I kind of paid attention back then, but not as not nearly as much as now. But you know, since the dividend thing in 16 or whatever, Walker vetoed it. I think it was 16. But before that, I mean, it was just so much different i mean i remember watching and like the caucus everybody kind of just there was organization and people followed the caucuses kind of were you know what's the word um they weren't crazy i mean people just you know it was normal and now everything's just so different compared to how it used to be it used to be just very you know efficient and you know things happened the budget got passed everybody voted kind of together on the budget and then now we have the situation where it's kind of Every year, it's just kind of crazy. It gets crazier every year. Something, something. When you think it, nothing crazy can happen, crazier, something crazier happens. Well, ideally, people will work out their differences in a caucus meeting, and then come to the floor and have you know a good debate still, mm-hmm. but not be going after each other personally. <laughs> oh yeah. You know the first rule in politics. My first rule: you don't make it po- you don't make it personal, and you don't take it personal. And we see that happen. Oh, I like I like that. Don't make it personal. And don't take it personal. Yep, we see that happen. I mean, think about last year. We had seven. Well, we had nineteen new people, but technically seventeen of them were in the new, house, yeah. right? Yep. And boy, there was so much ex- excitement. Not good excitement. You know, people just getting revved up and excited about all these things that it's like it's not personal. It's not personal. Well, you know, I, I asked like um, Mike Chenault and a few other people because the budget. There was a whole. You know, chaos of, of the turducken and the Senate held it and, and they waited till the last minute and then they had to grease the wheels and the capital projects and then it passed the House 26 to 14. But only 10 of those votes were majority votes. Yeah. And, and you know, people you ask that it used to be around, they're just like, that's so crazy. And, and we see this right now in the um, Congress. Right. With, with, with McCarthy. I mean, you, you, you have, to, if you don't stick together, stuff, weird, crazy things can happen. Well, and and it's not about one person. It's not about ourselves. It's about the greater good of the whole body. Yeah. And th- that's where sometimes people don't have the ability to think beyond themselves, or their emotions get in the way. The, the other the other thing that I, I noticed, and I wasn't not nearly as involved, you know, ten years ago, but I I, I very, very um, at the time always knew that like whatever happened in those caucus meetings, and I think this was the case back then, like whether it was a Senate majority or. The mm-hmm. House majority. Nothing really ever came out. Maybe the maybe sometimes they tell a lobbyist or somebody might know something. But for the most part, you never really knew what happened in those. Now, I know all the time, and people just tell me. 
it's not even, it's like not even, an, maybe that's social media or maybe that's, there's different reasons for that. But when you were in there, I, I imagine it was like, we don't talk about what we talk about in here. This is like a important That's time exactly to, right. And people trusted, people knew that they could trust that what went on in there stayed in there. And, not that it's anything bad. It's just that, you know, maybe you have an idea and maybe it's a really stupid idea. Yeah, that like, should be a safe place to vet that idea mm -hmm. and have people say, well, here's the pros, here's the cons, here's this, you know. Y you got to have a place to be able to release frustrations, too, with a group of people that are all working towards the same goals. Yeah, no, I mean, I totally, I mean, I, I've had discussions or arguments with people about this open meetings thing and they exempted themselves. I said, you ha I think the local, like the assembly should be able to meet Behind, I mean, not obviously you want to vote when you're doing your that needs to be in the public, but to have a frank discussion with people behind closed doors, it's not like in front of the public where it just becomes, you know, it just becomes a distraction or it just creates more chaos. You need to be able to have those, you know, conversations. I, I agree with you. And yeah, now it's like, man, a lot of that stuff. I mean, people, it's so funny too, because sometimes people will tell you something who you never would thought would talk to you because they want some, but then sometimes other people will tell you something. And you're kind of just, you can figure out the agendas or the motivations, and then sometimes it backfires. It's, um, it's, it's a lot of moving parts to all of this. You know, and this goes back to what we talked about in the very, very beginning, people's integrity. Mm -hmm. When you're in Juneau, if you, if you lose that, if you, if you lose your moral compass and you forget really what's right. Well, jo John Harris, who I have a ton of respect for, you were, you were in there with him, right? He yes. Was, he was speaker. He, he told me, he's like, all you have is your word in, in, in life, but especially here, all you have is your, it's all you have in this building. And yep. if people don't trust you, that's it. Doesn't, it doesn't, if you lose trust from people, you it's know, they, they might have to one time do something for you because they have to help. But for the most part, you know, they aren't. And he, he also told me that the, the people that are most successful uh, in the politics are the people who help other people and it's not true. be selfish and do whatever for them, but their district, but they help other people. And then, you know, and they want to help you. Right. And again, they're looking at the greater good. Because if it helps one district, ultimately it's going to, you know, bleed over and help another district too. Yeah, I always like talking to people that were like really successful or maybe speaker because you can get like some insight into how they, because mm -hmm. it's not an accident. People just don't accidentally become that. You know, it's, right. You, Those you positions. To... And usually they're, uh, you know, they're more um, even tempered. Doesn't mean they don't have a temper. They just know how to control it. Mm -hmm. They know how to speak to people. They know how to bring people together, and they know how to help negotiate. And what was your? Did you were you chairing committees or were you on the finance? I don't really know your background in the legislature. Uh, I, I had the opportunity to serve on a bunch. I served on state affairs. I served on labor and commerce. I served on economic development. Um, I I co-chaired. You, you were rule, rules chair, right? I co-chaired judiciary. Um, and then my, my final job was rules chair, which was... So this is like a leadership, for the people listening, this is a leadership position that mm -hmm. you decide what legislation goes to the floor. So you have right. a ton of power. Right. Um, but, but also, you know, I pay much, enough attention over the years. There's always built-in checks, right? So, so if, if, if you say, I'm not putting this bill, but they really want the bill, they can override you. Any chair can get overridden, committee chairs. So there's always, like, checks, which means people need to, like, work together. Right, people need to work together, but the rules chair does have the ability to say, "No, I'm not calendaring this," you know, to the floor. Just like the speaker, whatever can be on the calendar, and the speaker can keep rolling something to yeah. the bottom of the calendar, and then he can roll it till tomorrow. I mean, he can roll it into the next year. He or she 
can roll it into the next year if they want, you know? The other thing about the rules chair that I think is real fascinating, which if there's ever a reality show, this is what would be part of it. Uh, they control like office assignments and furniture. And oh my God, the stories I've heard about people like they aren't fighting about the budget or like some appropriation. It's yeah. like, I want this couch. And if you don't get me this couch, we have a real problem. <laughs> or like, and you also choose the seating assignments on the floor, right? So I've heard these like, sto- I've seen some even emails. Yeah. Just crazy about this, like a chair or an office or, or a seating assignment, like whatever it is, you know, like I want this couch. If I don't get this couch, we're going to have a real problem. It's, <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny, but it kind of sad in a way, isn't it? Really? <laughs> I mean, just, how much time are you going to spend on that couch? Did you, see you know? some, did you see some of that? Like, a little bit of it, but I think that I think that I went into that position, people knowing that I'm fair, mm-hmm. that I listen, and I tr- I really did try to accommodate everybody's needs and and first their needs and then their wants. Do you find it interesting? And I don't know how this happened, why they built it, but the, the structure of the Capitol and all the offices. There's a really big office. Obviously, the leadership people need bigger. There's really small offices. There's kind of unique office i mean there's so they're all different not not any one is i don't think any office is the same they're not the same and you know that that building has changed so much over the years i mean those great big finance offices those used to be a couple offices then they knock down walls and make them bigger and yeah i've heard in the past like different rules chairs have um for you know whatever reason has decided they wanted a bigger like i think willikowski's the current rules office i think senator lisa mcguire was rules chair and then they they did a big, made three offices like one office. Mm-hmm. And yet the, in the rules chair in the house is close to the house floor where it needs to be. So you can go back and forth really quickly. Yeah, the Senate one's but not. But it's very small, the house rules chair. Yeah, it's, it's just if you, yeah, it's basically a big. But it was perfectly fine for getting the business done. It's interesting. This house has the speaker and the rules right there and the majority leader that are like with, within a few, you know, 30 mm-hmm. foot feet of the. But the Senate, there's no offices there. They're all one level down. Yeah, they have their clerks there. I'm not sure what that says, but it's an interesting building how the, the some of those offices have vaults because it was a, a bank and then a post office. Right, my office has a vault in it. Yeah, no, it's totally. I mean, there's some of them use them for like storage of like paper and. That's exactly know. what we do. We store the statutes, state statutes, in there, in a locked fireproof vault. Yeah, it's uh, love it. There's a lot of history in that building. So last thing I'll ask you, it's a uh, session's coming up now. It's about th- less than three months away. And this initiatives, I think, are probably going to be a topic. But um, what, what do you think is going to, I think, obviously the election year, dividend, and then there's going to be this education thing, I believe, will be another topic. And then this pension stuff, which was discussed a lot last year. Well, I, I, I am pretty sure that education issues will be on the forefront. I'm pretty sure the PERS-TERS issue bill will be there. I'm pretty sure that... Uh, you know, the uh, permanent fund, it's it's going to be front and center and talked about. Um, of course, things that are on the initiative, um, I, I'm not sure what's going to happen with the election bill. There's Kawasaki has a rather large election bill. Yeah, he does, yeah. I think there's, a, there's a, some house bills, too. And there are a few house bills, mm-hmm. yes. And so I'm not sure what they're going to all work out on that. We've tried, we've made ourselves available for every appointment that the House or Senate well, has and, requested on that. And Speaker Tilton just hired Josh Appleby, your former yes. chief of staff, who I understand some of his work is going to be election-related. So That's I don't know what if, I understand, too. But I'd be honestly shocked if they did any legislation involving the elections. Because the Senate's already basically said that's a non-starter. 
Well, and you know how it is anytime you get a bill that's that huge? Mm -hmm. How The bigger the ship, the harder it is to move. And this is a second session, which means everything at the end of that dies unless it gets, you know, revived right. like a special, and it's an election year. So um, now you were in there a long time, and I've been down there. This is my sixth, be my sixth year. It does feel different. It is different in an election year. It's, you know, talk about maybe how that was when you were... Well, it it is different in that people are gearing up for different activities once they get out of there. You know, one year we were in special session till August, and um, it was when in governor, an election year. It was an election oh, year. Wow, I actually geez. got home on August the fourth. I remember I missed uh, pin, picnics and things that we had planned with constituents, and so my staff had taken care of all. We, you know, we went ahead with all those things, but I wasn't able to be there. Literally got home the week before we voted for the primary, but oh wow! But people were not happy about that. It was it was Legis a hot legislators. I mean, about being <laughs> in there until before the primary. It was a hot summer, and we met downtown. Um, it was an oil bill, oil related issues, and you know how that goes. So. Yeah, you know what's interesting about this new system, and I noticed this in last year. That there's still a primary, but it's essentially a kind of formality for because we only had one legislative race with more than four people that was the one in Fairbanks and right then, even then it wasn't one of them was not even really campaigning um whereas before the primaries in many cases decided the the election and, and what I noticed personally was um there wasn't as much advertising happening because there's not really a reason I mean for the bigger races you know top four like the governor uh the senate race had a lot right. of people but but these lo lo local leg these legislative races just um it almost became kind of a like a poll, hmm. you know, kind of see where we are. But there, everybody was going to advance. And then after the primary, then the, then it picked up. Yeah, there was more, a lot more, because I mean, obviously that was the, you know, and then there was some still confusion or maybe some apprehension about this new system. And I think it actually, I don't know what, if you're allowed to talk, but I think most people, I was worried people were going to have confusion on the ranking. But I, it seems like most people. Well, you know, there it. was some confusion. But what I have to tell you is every single year of my life that I voted, there's always confusion with voting. Somebody doesn't get something. So, I mean, I, I, the one the one thing I like about the open primary is and I feel like this has gone on forever. It's those previous those two ballots, Democratic Party ballot, Alaska Republican Party ballot. And people would want, you know, to vote for somebody and they couldn't. And there was always this there was mm -hmm. always come, come up. Somebody couldn't because you can only. You know, Democrats can vote in the Republican, but Republicans right. can vote in the Democrat. You know, so that that's kind of gone now. So that's and, gone, and there's one ballot. And you know, I think things are going to go smoothly. We have fantastic election uh, workers, and something I'm really pleased about is we were able to get the pay increase yeah, for so the volunteers. A, a friend of mine who's successful, she's a chemist. She's you know has a good job. She actually uh, volunteered to be an elect, not because she. You know the money or anything, but she wanted to help. Yeah, and I know last with COVID, there was a lot of these people that were older that do this stuff, right. volunteer, and uh, it's good they're getting some pay because you know it's really important to have not just people but like qualified people who who know how the system works. I right? agree. I mean, I just call them volunteers, but they're they're workers, and we got their increase of a five dollar an hour raise, so that's a pretty big that's deal. Good. No, that's great. I mean, I I wrote a Taco Elementary for a long time, and every time I go there. The people are just very professional. Um, there's somebody kind of, I feel like somebody's in charge of each precinct, mm -hmm. and they've always just been very. I've seen people sometimes get confused, or they didn't, you know, they had they're the wrong so address. They're so helpful. But I've like every time they, they know what's going on. Yeah, they're they're really helpful. My experience voting in the last million years has been, you know, they just want you to have a 
good experience there and vote so that you'll come back and vote next time. Well, we're, uh, I mean, it's only a year away basically until it's going to come, come up. I know. You know it's going to come I know. up quick. It's, a lot's going to happen between now and then. But, you know, it's really important that people remember when they have questions about elections, call the Division of Elections. They are the expert. Mm-hmm. There's other groups and there's websites and all kind of things that are going to pop up. But the one the one expert is Division of Elections. And maybe down the road I could come on the show and we could talk about, you know, specifics and things with the Division of Elections. Yeah. And who's the new? I forget her name. The new director. So Carol Beecher. is Carol the Beecher. New, yeah. Yes. Because Funumiya was there for a long time. Yes. And then Carol's, and she, she what was her background? She so was... Carol came to us. She she used to run the child support division. Okay. And was doing a, just a fantastic job there. I mean, when she went in, it was a mess. You used to hear about child support in the news all the time. There was all these legal things with it. There was a whole bunch of systems around the state. She brought all the systems together into one. You don't hear about problems with child support anymore. Yeah, you're right. That, that's I've had over the years friends, women that you know they aren't guys aren't paying, and you're, you're right. You don't. You know, I feel like you don't hear about that as much anymore. Right. I mean, and that's not to say everybody's happy about their situation, but that's different than not being able to get through. The to, thing I hear about a lot is OCS. That seems to be the one that I hear about. <laughs> yes. But in that situation, kids and people are very vocal, so maybe that's something that people. Well, and it's so emotional. Mm-hmm. I mean, there anytime we're dealing with human beings, it's it's a big deal. Uh, what's, what was I going to, oh yeah, how's our seal doing? Are we good with the seal? Cause I was actually going to get a seal and hang it on the wall here when you walked in to see if I was going to get in trouble. Or, or get, well, I'd have to check your background. Get, get, get arrested or something. So, so you guard, so basically guard, you, you make sure nobody's using this. Has that ever come up yet? Has somebody... yeah, they, yes. They shouldn't use the seal inappropriately, you have know, you... like print it on their posters for the bar or something, you know. Have you ever come, like, in, since you've been lieutenant governor, has that come up? I haven't had any. We have requests that come in that have been approved, but um, you know, one thing that's kind of fun that I do is when I go and talk to the kids' groups, like at elementary school, I have a nice little seal. You know, you've seen those smaller ones that oh, they yeah, have in yeah. offices. Mm-hmm. So we take one of those, and then I actually have a stuffed seal and two, oh, nice. <laughs> two little baby seals, and I take them with me. Especially, you know, it's pretty cool when you're talking to people that live out in rural Alaska, and I'll say, hey, you know, I guard the seal. And then I show them the seal. This is the kind you, you're used to, right? And then, oh, yeah, yeah. And they'll tell me stories about going seal hunting or different things. And then I say, well, then we have this seal. I, I have a great seal story, Alaska seals. This is like, I think it might have been Dunlake. What the hell was that? It was some inauguration. It was a long time ago. And it was like some bank. You, you know the story? There was some banquet or something. Not banquet. It was like some gala at the Denina Center. And it was a, it was a political. Wasn't it Walker? I think, no, it, might, it must have been. Because I was doing the landmine then. I started oh. doing the landmine in 17. I think it might have been when Dunleavy won. Okay. In eight, it was like the inaugural thing. So I go to it, and there was this big Dunina Center dinner gala, you know, kind of ball. And I was there till the end, and I was been drinking. And, you know, I, we, we, there was this huge fucking seal, like, like, like big cardboard. It was like as big as me. Right. And it was just sitting on this, like, uh, stand. And I go, oh, you know, they're probably going to throw it in the garbage. I'm, so I, like, unscrewed it. <laughs> I took it. I got a picture of me holding it. I mean, it was huge. I mean, it was yeah. like it was probably four feet tall. Four, you know, big, big, big circle. Yeah. So I take it with me. I'm leaving the Nina Center. I'm, I'm at the bars all night. I'm <laughs> carrying this freaking seal. I mean, it's big. And and then I like you know I get in a cab, 
and I go home and I'm it, like barely fitting. Like, I had like the cab driver was like, what, what the hell is this thing? And I, I you know, I, I, throw, I get home, throw it in my garage. I, <laughs> I wake up and then I go in my garage and I go, oh shit, I stole that seal. <laughs> forgot, I, I forgot I did it, you know? Yep. And then I just kind of forgot about it. And then I see Rebecca Logan um, post on her Facebook page like a couple days later, some jackass stole our seal from our event. And I go, oh my God. Because Apparently they paid money for it, and I don't think it was cheap. I mean, it shouldn't have been that expensive, but I go, oh, my God, that was me. And there's, like, evidence, you know, there's photographs. So I text Rebecca, and I was like, I can get the seal back under one condition. She goes, what's that? And I go, no questions asked. She goes, deal. So I drive to her office, and I'm like, here it is. She goes, how in the hell did you get this damn? So I told her the story. I actually made myself the loose unit that week. She laughed, right? So, oh yeah, yeah, she laughed. But so she I, so, had a good laugh. So I have my it. own seal, you know. Luckily, you weren't around, or somebody like you. If, I know I would you know, have had to be the one taking you to task. Kevin Meyer, you know, back then he could have had a, <laughs> could have got arrested or something. That's my seal story. That's a good one. It was a good. Was I should have kept it. I mean, it would have been perfect right there in the wall. Well, anyway, it's time to Governor Nancy Dalstrom. Always nice talking to you. I, you're really, I just like talking to you. You're, I like being here with you. It's you're, good, you're, Jeff. You're, 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 you're a good one. You got you to get out there. Are you on Twitter? I think you're on Twitter now, right? I'm on Twitter. I saw you have a Twitter. And I have a Facebook page. And Look at that. Lieutenant Governor Nancy Dalstrom. Kevin Meyer, had a, he used to have the kind of funniest, he'd tweet goofy things out sometimes. Oh, I hopeful mine aren't goofy. You, 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 got, you got to do a little once in a while. You got to, for every one, you do one for you and then one for them, okay? okay. One for you, one for them. That's, that's what they say in Hollywood, I think, for the movies. They make one for you, one for them. That's, <laughs> heard that saying. Okay, well, really like talking to you, and I'm uh, glad, glad to have you on. And we'll be watching next year. Keep, a, keep us updated on all this initiative and we'll do. all these things happening with the um, elections. And watch that seal. I, <laughs> I'll bring it with okay, me next yeah. time. Thanks a lot, Lieutenant Governor okay. Dahlstrom. Okay, I have a, have a, um, appreciate coming on here. And folks, if you have an idea for a podcast or want to do a podcast, get a hold of me and stay tuned for the next one. Landline.